Hey, hey, this is Chris Bradley with Produce Like a Boss, and I'm here to help you conquer your creativity by simplifying and demystifying this elusive world of music production. Just to let you know, this originally aired as a video on the Produce Like a Boss YouTube channel. This is episode three of Produce Like a Boss, and really quick before we jump in, I just want to say I was uh, I was editing this episode earlier, and I was thinking to myself, the subject is, you know, is your music ready to pitch? And as I was editing it, I was thinking, thinking, oh man, this is this is a little tough lovey. But you know what? I know you guys can handle it. I know that you are here because you want to own your creativity and you want to produce like a boss. So I'm going to give it to you straight up. So just a little disclaimer ahead of time. Um, <laughs> I'm really trying to break it down for you guys and just be real like from personal experience. So uh, harden your hearts and jump on in. So if you're interested in making your music your business, you need to treat it like a business. Creating music haphazardly is not going to get you there. Do it like a, like a, like a boss. Like a, like a boss. Do it like a, like a, like a boss. Like a boss. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Chris Bradley with Produce Like a Boss. And today we're going to talk about, are your songs ready to pitch? So... As musicians, artists, and songwriters, it is totally understandable that what we really want to do is just get our music out into the world, right? Whether it be like radio or film and TV or just building a fan base, we just want to find the market or the people that connect with the music that we're putting out there that really resonate with our message. So many musicians reach out to me um, asking about opportunities for their music, and uh, especially as it pertains to film and TV. And, and here's kind of the funny thing. Oftentimes, their music is not even ready to be pitched. So in essence, they're asking the wrong questions. So first things first, what I want to know is this. Do you have control of your masters? Do you own your masters? Do you know what that means? Is that super confusing? Um, let me break it down for you and make it really simple. So the master is the sound recording of the song. So if you hire a producer and you pay them, you are paying them to own the masters that they are creating for you. This is what a label does when they own the masters of the artists that they represent. They pay for the studio time. They pay the producer. That's how, that's kind of the exchange there. So they own the master, right? You hire a producer. They don't own it, you're hiring them, and then you own the master. Now, maybe you're a producer, maybe you produce it yourself. That's one of the reasons I love being a self-produced artist. I control all my masters, right? Um, and so you might own your own master simply out of default just because you're a producer. So let's say that you co-write a song with two friends, right? You've got three writers on a song and you're all in the same room. You write the song, no track building is going on. You're just writing the song. And then one of those writers decides to go home and says, you know what, I'm gonna produce the demo for this. They create a sound recording. Did you know that kind of by default, they are the master owner of that song? Just because there's two other writers on it, that is pertaining to the song itself. So I want you to think of your music, I want you to think of your songs like um, like properties in, in real estate. Let's say you own two properties, okay? So the song itself, um, the melody and the lyric coupled together, making the song, that is one property. And then there is another property, and that is the master. And that is whoever pays for or whoever creates the sound recording. That is its own thing separate from who wrote it, right? That's why, um, labels can own masters because it is a commodity to be bought and sold, right? So it acts as its own separate thing. So going back to that co-write, so let's say you all three write a song and you part ways. You all have the demo, you have a copy of the sound recording, 
and you're trying to get your songs placed in film and TV. So you're just kind of out there kind of reaching for whatever opportunity you can. Maybe you get a brief in, you know, maybe um, you hear about something or you see um, something online and you decide to submit your music for it. Let's say that a supervisor bites on that and they say, oh my gosh, I love this, right? And the first thing they say is, hey, I need alt mixes of this. Do you have stems? Can you get me a version, you know, just acoustic version, a vocal down version? And now all of a sudden your brain is spinning because you're like, uh, what? An alt, what? You don't even know what it is that they want. You don't control the master. You don't even have the, the option to make these things for them. And by the way, in film and TV, when they want it, they always want it like yesterday. <laughs> if anyone in film and TV knows that. So you don't actually have a lot of time to get this stuff together. So you've lost touch with the co-writer. Um, or maybe you haven't, but maybe you reach out to them. You're like, hey, can I get all this stuff? And he goes, oh, I lost the hard drive. I kid you not. This actually happened to me with a song that before I knew better, I was pitching for opportunities. Come to find out like, oh, I needed all these files. I reached out to my co-writer. He couldn't even find the hard drive where it was created. So there was no way to create alt mixes or anything. So going back, the supervisor says, yeah, I need you to get all this stuff to me. Stat, super interested. I want to put this in for the opportunity. And now what? You do not have any of those things. You did not get them from your producer, nor do you have any way to get in touch with him. And now you have blown this opportunity because you did not build before you knocked. So let's look at a couple other things in reference to what we were just talking about. So these these alt mixes, right? Like you can do, um, first of all, you can make multiple alt mixes out of just one track. And even if you're not the producer and you're not doing this yourself, if you're working with a producer, especially one that you're paying, you can instruct them like, hey, I'm gonna need these alt mixes because I'm pitching for film and TV. I need a 30 second cut down, I need a 60 second cut down, or you know, there's so many different kinds of alt mixes you can do. I need an acoustic kind of unplugged version of this. I need a no melody version of this, whatever it might be, um, it's really good to have these just ready to go when you're pitching your songs because you make this so much easier for the supervisor or the library because they know that they can just put these right in. It actually cuts out a lot of time for them um, and a lot of editing. So that is something that you definitely want to make sure that you get in order before you start pitching your stuff for film and TV because you're going to highly increase your chances of being able to get your songs cut. The last thing I want to talk about is do you know your market? Okay, if you're writing for film and TV, do you watch film and TV? Are you listening to the music that's being placed? When a commercial comes on, instead of fast forwarding through your TiVo, do you turn up the music instead of turning it down and listen to what the ad music is? This is so important, you guys, that you're actually, I mean, you're studying for a market, right? That you're actually paying attention to what's going on and not just going, oh, I want to have my songs in film and TV, but not really having a clue what that means or what that looks like. So what about the radio? Are you writing for radio? I mean, are you writing to pitch to country artists or pop artists? Do you listen to top 40 radio or Spotify playlists like, um, you know, today's top hits or, you know, uh, today's hot country? It is so important that you are actually studying the market that you want to be successful in. I've had my music on both film and television, and I'll give you I'll give you a few reasons that it didn't happen. Um, it's not because I'm super talented or I have some kind of advantage over anybody else. It's not because I'm super lucky or I was in the right place at the right time. Um, honestly, it is because I work my butt off. 
I study, I learn, I grow, and I'm really intentional when I go to work on something. I don't just create something and hope that it does well. Um, you know, I don't really believe in that. I think that if you want to make this a business, you have to understand what your market is before actually creating the product, uh, the project, right? It's very rare that um, things that I created out of just my own sheer joy and passion, I was able to monetize and actually turn into a business. Now, I'm not saying that as an artist that we can't just do that and that's totally fine, but we have to know the difference, right? We're putting so much pressure on our art to make us money, but we're not often thinking about like what that means. You know, you can still be artistic, but be intentional with what you're creating, knowing like that there is a market for something. So if you're interested in making your music your business, you need to treat it like a business. Creating music haphazardly is not going to get you there. That's what hobbyists do. And if you want to make it a hobby, that's fine. In fact, that's more than fine. Creativity in general is a beautiful hobby to have. But you can't do that and then, oh, I want to get my songs to film and TV or I want to get song cuts and I don't know why it's happening for me. And you're not playing the game by putting on your business cap, right? So not researching the business is kind of like saying, I want to open a burger shop, right? I just love cooking burgers. And you go out and start telling people all about how great your burger shop is, how great your burgers are, you're promoting it, you're getting people excited about it, but you haven't perfected the recipe yet. You have not made a menu yet. You haven't hired the workers. In fact, you're not even open for business. But you got a bunch of people standing outside now and their mouths are watering because of what you promised in your pitch. And now you have to let everyone down because you cannot deliver on your promise. And don't think they're coming back when you do get your shit together, okay? Don't think that you're gonna go, oh guys, I'm sorry, I, I, well, I'm not ready for you, but uh, you know, I'll be ready by next week. And they're gonna be like, Ugh, you've already blown the trust with us. You already, you already knocked before you build. Do not knock before you build. Build before you knock. And I want you to please think about that the next time that you are reaching out to get an opportunity for your music because it's not, by the, I tell you right now, it is not your lack of resources that is holding you back. It is your lack of resourcefulness, okay? And that means building something great before you go and ask for help from somebody. You need to help yourself first. So let's recap. You want to get your songs heard. You want to get your songs out into the world, whether it's on radio or whether it's film and TV. You want a market for your music, right? So you have to ask yourself a few questions. Are you treating your music like a business? Do you have your ducks in a row? I mean it, do you really have your shit together before you are reaching out for an opportunity? Are you prepared? Is your business ready before you reach out for that opportunity? And if you don't, please stop doing that. And I'm gonna tell you why right now because there is no way to make up for a failed first impression. So for my film and TV peeps out there, anyone trying to break into the business, or maybe you have a couple cuts, but they were kind of lucky and you want to get some more, I am going to leave a link for a free book in the description called The Four-Step Plan to Licensing. This is written by a dear friend of mine, Michael Elsner, and let me tell you, this guy is a boss when it comes to music licensing, okay? He's got like thousands of placements thousands of placements. This is what he's been doing for years and years. And this is what he does. He teaches people how to get their songs into film and television. Okay. This isn't a how to produce a song or how to write a song for film and TV. This is a 
when your songs are written and produced, what to do next. Because I think that's where a lot of people are stuck and they don't know how to put all the moving pieces together to truly, you know, pitch their songs in a way that, you know, represents them and shows that they know their shit. Okay. So grab this book. It is phenomenal. And you're going to learn so much from it. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Remember, I am sharing from personal experience and just trying to save you some of the heartache and the years (laughs) the trials and tribulations that I went through. Everything I'm sharing with you is based on personal experience and trying to shortcut the path to success for you. That was episode three of Produce Like a Boss. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of this. Hey, don't forget to grab that free ebook. I'm dropping the link in the description. It is called The Four-Step Plan to Licensing Success. And I'm telling you, there's some really great information in there. Um, Anyways, I hope you guys have a beautiful night. And uh, I'm going to take us out with a self-produced song. This one's called Swing swing and I did this in partnership with Ideascapes. Ciao guys. What do you say?